0: Hello and welcome to On the Ball, the podcast that already knew you don't need to go out on a Friday night to have a good time. You're listening to episode 94. I'm Steve Sanders, AKA at NCFC Numbers on Twitter, sitting in as host this week for Michael Bailey, who, seemingly like all electricians in the Hertfordshire area on Friday, is conspicuous by his absence in our hour of need. And that makes it sound like um, he's just disappeared, but uh, this is all pre-arranged. Um, but anyway. What a game he's left for us to discuss. The Hornets were favourites at Vicarage Road, but it was Norwich City who were the bee's knees by the end of the contest with Josh Sargent producing the Sting in the Tail as Norwich City's Scorpion King. For the next hour, we'll be talking inspired flicks, dodgy electrics and the Canaries being back in the mix. That was sort of Martin Um, (laughs) Tyler-esque, not in a good way. Um, Anyway, uh, our Bailey-less panel this evening is... Uh, former Norwich City press officer, and I've written Dean Smith enthusiast Ben Mouncer. Is that accurate?
1: Hi Steve. Yeah, we're we're all Dean Smith enthusiasts right now, aren't we? Yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's
0: probably fair. Yeah. Um, I I just remember you being right behind him from from the from the beginning. How are you doing, mate? You okay?
1: I'm very well. Thank you, Steve. More more to the point, how are you? Because I believe you're um you're riddled. With the virus,
0: <laughs> yeah, I am the Riddler. Um, the, uh, yeah, uh, a few days of isolation, which actually pretty much began uh, with kind of an, an exciting Friday night. I mean, basically, it gives me an excuse to to sit uh, on my laptop for the whole weekend. So
1: as, um, <laughs> as you know, has, I enjoy. So, has COVID affected your like statistical output? Is it one of those like niche side effects where it messes up like your ability to interpret data?
0: Um, there might have been one or two glitches um, including one uh, tweet which went semi-viral which turned out to be wrong so um, oh yeah I
1: just, sorry I wasn't setting you up for that I, didn't, no. I, do, I do remember that now but um, yeah it was more of a joke to be honest oh, what, it, yeah.
0: what happened? Um, I, I, it was the Angus and Brian Gunn being the first father-son goalkeeper to um, to both win with the same club in the Premier League When, which as Man City fans pointed out Um, was not the case because the Schmeichels did it at City first but um, Uh I thought about deleting it but it had gone too far already and I just kept it running and I think it's the best it's the best performing tweet I've ever done it's all based on a lie Me, me, me. I've got the exact same thing Eddie Howe's the Celtic manager did you know that? (laughs) um, (laughs) Done deal it can, it can happen to the best of them. Um, and uh, well, in case you were left guessing who our second guest is, it's a one time Norwich City commentator and now podcaster extraordinaire. You might have heard him on Talk Sport of the Weekend, but do not let that cloud your judgment. <laughs> we still like him here. Stuart Hodge. Stu, um, we've, we've, we've touched on Eddie Howe, we've touched on wrong tweets, but um, I hope everything else is all good in your world.
2: Ah, it was great, mate, and it was good to go on Talk Sport. To be fair, Max Rushton isn't one of the goons, uh, and it was his show I was on. And I, I, it was, he did actually say that he hadn't given Norwich as hard a time as some of the Talk Sport panelists. And I did say that it was uh, lucky that I wasn't wearing a flak jacket given the way that they've treated us this season. But I, uh, honestly, I've no felt this good About Norwich City In a long long time So this is a very Very timely appearance On this fantastic podcast And for anybody That doesn't know We've been pals For over a decade The three years And we're doing a podcast together This is banging
0: yeah, very exciting. Especially now you've got showbiz pals like uh, Max Rushton and Charlie Baker. It's, it's nice that you've uh, you can remember Robbie your roots bit. where you came from. That's it, mate. Um, Who's this guy, so- Steve? I'm, I'm not sure who this guy
1: is. <laughs> uh, he's a talk sport presenter. He's pretty good. He, he does stuff
2: for. Uh, he- I'm talking, about you, to... I'm talking about you mate i'm talking about you oh ain't i was, I was, I was oh, making
1: I... a reference to the fact that i don't actually know who you are and you, you're saying we've been pals for over a decade that i <laughs> i don't really i
0: well uh while ben and Stuart are getting acquainted slash reacquainted um, <laughs> i'll just um remind you that it is it is just an audio version this week which uh, to be honest you'll probably already know uh, if you normally watch michael's youtube channel um or you won't care about if you don't because you normally listen to it anyway Uh, But the the live broadcast will be returning uh, when Michael does in a couple of weeks. It would be weird if it was on his channel and he wasn't there, wouldn't it? So um, anyway, let's get on with it, shall we? Time for the headline act. So uh, to paraphrase The Cure, it was Friday we were in love. Uh, Norwich City's biggest away win in the Premier League since the year after that song came out, 1993. It finished 3-0. A couple of Josh Sargent goals in between an 11-minute break for, let's call it half a floodlight failure at Vicarage Road. And uh, Watford threw in a red card for Emmanuel Dennis and an own goal by Yuri Kutska at the end just for fun. Um, so Ben, I'll come to you first. Uh, what a game to talk about as Norwich City fans we don't get many days like that one so um, how much did you enjoy it first
1: of all? I was going to say Steve yeah you're bang on I think it's certainly one of my best experiences following Norwich City in a Premier League game definitely like you know obviously we've had some 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 memorable ones but not too many and I think just the nature of this game how important it was our record in big games against relegation rivals like that Um, the nature of the match as well because while we started the game very well I think certainly in the second half of the first half Watford were getting on top of us and half-time definitely came at the right time for us and I think certainly where I was like we at half-time we, it was a bit of it, oh you know we're, we're struggling a bit here we need to change something and then six minutes into the second half that happens and it kind of just yeah it was an incredible, incredible moment um, with Josh Sargent scoring that goal um scoring a goal and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it kind of it went from there, didn't it? And there were elements of, of that very long second half that just made it feel more and more kind of special. I mean, I was watching I was watching the game in a pub, which I don't do very often, but it it, it felt like we were kind of there. The atmosphere was incredible. It was like a second away end. Um, and the, <laughs> the thing with VAR as well um, is that we kind of got two celebrations for, for the first two goals. We had the celebration um, when Watford's goal was disallowed as well so it's just a yeah it was it was a brilliant night um obviously we can't say whether that result is going to you know set norwich up to survive in the premier league but what it certainly does is it gives us a lot of hope and that's all we need right
0: yeah, I mean that's that's all I've been calling for all season It's just the thought that I don't even mind if we don't stay up now, but the fact that we're in it is is so is just quite gratifying, especially given where we've come from. And I guess Stu, that, that kind of leads me to, to my first question. I know you're like me and that um part of the reason we love football is the is the capacity that it's got to surprise and 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 maybe a little bit of that is lost in the Premier League these days, but this was a, a result that even though it was a uh, one of those kind of proverbial six pointers. I think a lot of us went in there with trepidation because of Norwich City's away record, because of how we do in, in the big games at the bottom of the Premier League, because it was Watford and that second half just came out of nowhere. Um, and given who it was as well, it all just added to what was a really brilliant day to be a Norwich City fan, didn't it?
2: Absolutely. The, the key thing, I mean, you can look at the match in isolation or, and or you can look at the pattern that's kind of led to that point. And, one of the things I mentioned, you mentioned the talk sport appearance the other day. The the big the big thing that I've got right now is four two four. Four two four. <laughs> it's a formation that hasn't been seen since Italia ninety, really, right? And we as Norwich City fans, we one of the big things that was pointed out in the summer recruitment is we didn't recruit a number ten. How'd you fix that? Don't play one. Just play two midfielders, play two wide attackers. And then th- 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 what is done for Adamida's game, because even in the West Ham game, Adamida looked like a different player in that system. And it looked like there was something there about to happen. And the way that he has sparkled since that, and the selfless work of Timu Puki to allow him to do that, because Puki's adapted his game a bit. And then out in the wide areas, I don't think Milot Rashica has fully hit his stride yet and I think there's more to come from him. I think 4-2-4 is the formation to get the best out of Josh Sargent because even with the the Puskas award contender and uh, I mean actually in a way I preferred the second goal by the you way, know what?
0: because I was I was going to say the exact same thing. I preferred I preferred the second goal to the
2: first. Because that's that's one of those goals, right? It's it was like a Paul Lambert Norwich team goal. It was a ball in for the wide area and it was just attacked with conviction and it was the way that he ran to meet it and the way that he met it, it was only going one place. And that's the kind of goal, it was. because everything we Norwich City this season in both boxes at times has been so passive. It's like we're either waiting for something to happen or the attacking player gets the jump or our defender or whatever. But that was the ball went in and there was only one thing that Josh Sargent was doing. He went a like freight train at it and it went in the back of the net. And the, the key thing for me is, I think it is... The, the ingenuity tactically. So not just the fact that even after no goals in five games and all the rest of it, that they kept the focus, they kept the concentration levels, they kept the morale at such a level that Norwich City can still go out and compete. But the tactical ingenuity that Dean Smith, and I think also give a bit of credit to Craig Shakespeare as well, have managed to show by bringing a formation that <laughs> really in modern day football should be, a, it's kind of an anathema. It shouldn't really work playing 4-4-2 in modern football. But it's absolutely working for Norwich City at the moment. And the big thing that excites me massively is I think as soon as you plug Matthias Norman into a 4-2-4, it's just going to free him up. He'd be absolutely brilliant. So, no, a bit like Ben, don't want to get too ahead of ourselves and, and say that this is going to be the turning point, we're going to stay up. But, the key thing is we were never detached. That was the thing, as de- desperate as it got at times. And people were really beginning to turn. Let's not forget, people were turning properly on Stuart Weber for the first time that we've ever seen uh, since he came in at Norwich City. People were really beginning to become quite toxic in their the language towards him and social media. I, I hadn't seen that from, from a swell, maybe, maybe a, a minority of supporters, but a swell of supporters were beginning to do that. And it seemed like we'd basically know where left to turn because the manager had gone, the the players had been signed in the summer. It was like, where else do you go? You've obviously got to go for the man at the top. And I I totally understood where that sentiment was coming from. But Norwich never became detached. This change of formation has allowed us to go out. And I think as well as winning two games of football, I I now think that we can go into any game and feel that we've got a chance of scoring a goal. And, and I know if you look at the, the way that we've played and the, the total paucity of goals this season, it's incredible to have that feeling again. And that's not just based on the, the three goals against Watford. I think we looked threatening in that West Ham game at times as well. I just think this formation could be the thing that keeps us up. And if it does,
0: it's absolutely wonderful
2: because it's a throwback to a bygone mm-hmm. era.
0: Yep, what a feeling to think that we could go into any game and score a goal. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you—I mean, I was going to play devil's advocate by saying that that second goal was my favourite one, but um, I feel like maybe I'm not doing that now. Um, quick one on that is that it's our first headed goal away in the Premier League since Bradley Johnson scored at Anfield in December 2013. Um, it has been a long weekend in isolation, um, but let's—we we, should—we should talk about that first goal, Ben, because. Um, as moments go, uh, it was right up there for a number of reasons, wasn't it? Yeah, you say, you know, we we love football because of the
1: surprises, and I don't think there's more, <laughs> more of a surprise than <laughs> seeing a player who has been roundly let's let's be honest, here, has been roundly criticised by most Norwich City fans, who who many me feel did help, mm-hmm. yeah, and me included as well. And I think fairly because performances haven't been good enough, um, but yeah, to, to see to see that happen was just a, a joyful moment. And it really, as I said, it really was the springboard for the rest of that second half. And the reaction since that goal, I mean, how many different like camera angles have we seen of it? I've seen an animated version mm. of that goal has been created on Twitter, which is fantastic. Yep. It's going to go down as a, a truly kind of memorable moment, isn't it? One of those goals that we'll be talking about um, for, for, for many, many years, for sure. And I'm actually pleased for Josh Sargent because while as I said, I think it's fair that people have questioned his quality at this level. And he certainly hasn't done enough so far. One thing you you can't question is his his desire and his work rate. And I think we talk about systems. I think this four four two four, four four two, whatever you want to call it, um, really suits him because he's able to, to work that wide space, he's able to close down fullbacks or centre backs, he's able to have a physical presence in the game um, and he, he was our best player on mm-hmm. Friday night and yep. I think um, yeah so in, in that sense I'm really pleased for him I just hope he can, he can continue but I very much doubt he'll score a, a goal anywhere like that first one again this season or indeed anyone will in our team or indeed in the Premier League because it was it was one of those kind of yeah once a season if that kind of goals isn't it yeah it was, see, see you. the other
2: thing just on on Sargent he seems a lovely guy because often the human element is forgot from when it comes to football. Obviously the, the, the likes I mean your, yourself in particular, Ben you've worked around the football club, you have a an acute appreciation of what it's like when it comes to the human side. things like when players maybe may have an elapsing concentration at the back because their baby's no been sleeping at night or whatever, you know like, there's a human element to football that people forget. Josh Sargent, um, funnily enough, has just become a father and I liked his wee joke about forgetting the Bebeto celebration the first time and <laughs> making sure he got it in uh, for the second goal, but he just seemed like such a lovely kid, didn't he? Mm. And it's easy to forget his age because he, he kind of plays like a player that's a bit older than his years in, in some ways um, for all the, the profligate finishing, which has been, been pointed out uh, in the past, but I think I think that he seems a really endearing kind of character, and and that's nice to see. And if he can continue to play with the same work rate and endeavour, I, I did say um, when I spoke to kind of Bundesliga people about him, the 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 most generous kind of appreciation or appraisal of his abilities I got was he was a kind of a, a slight a lesser, but similar in style to kind of Cout. and I'm beginning to see what was meant by that, by his recent performances. And funnily enough, sticking him out in the right in an advanced position seems to be getting the absolute best out of him. So it could be, uh, given his age as well, if he can begin to deliver that kind of performance consistently for for Norwich City, even with the the options that we've got in wide areas when everyone's fit, I I, I don't think you would go anywhere near dropping him out of the team at the moment.
1: I think he's he's so obviously benefiting as well from having um, two up front because th- there's always a I, body a- around him mm-hmm. um, and, and he's always a body around one of those players when when they're on the ball or making runs it, it sounds obvious but when you when you play that system you've just got more people in front of you so there are more options how many times when we've tried to play maybe a more kind of possession-based system certainly earlier in the season when you look to the top of the pitch and it's Teemu Pukki surrounded by five opposition players and you, you don't know where that forward pass is coming from at least with this, what what you could probably call a fairly pragmatic, simple kind of system, is mm-hmm. it, what it's doing is is getting the best out of those four players in attack. That you know, those all four of them, I think, have been really good in the last couple of matches. Mm-hmm.
2: And that that's the key, isn't it? When you've got a squad yeah. like ours, is playing a system that gets the best out of everyone's abilities, and you're no longer relying on Pookie because you're giving other people a platform.
0: I really
1: like, like but also going Well,
0: I was going to say, I think I think the other reason that that second goal was so great as well, was because you, it, it showed you the best of but a great yeah. cross into the box. And also the the fact that, it, you know, that sergeant exactly what sergeant should be doing in that role is, is kind of breaking in late into the box and, and winning that header over the left back. If you're going to pick a quality that he would have in order to get us a goal... Um, then Dean Smith would have pointed to exactly something like that, so that felt like the, the tactic that we're employing in action and working to an absolute
1: T. So, yeah, Smith said that. No, I was just going to say, Smith said that, didn't he? After the game, he said that was something they've been working on making sure the attackers were arriving a bit later into the box. Hmm. Um, because, yeah, if you're again, if you arrive too early and a cross is delivered, then the defenders are, are going to be in a better position to clear it. But yeah. the, the, I can't remember who the Watford what fullback was at the time, but he. Had no idea that sergeant was bearing down on him behind him yeah. and um, didn't even get anywhere near to, to winning the ball yeah. so yeah it's um it's certainly getting the most out of out of the front four. I think what's really interesting and and the how sergeant's role develops going forward is tied into this is what, what where we see the system going forward because you know we've we've tried to be certainly under Daniel Farker a, a possession based team we've tried to play football in the Premier League Earlier this season, we just weren't good enough at it. And I think Smith has designed this system a bit out of necessity from having various central midfielders out. Um, It's interesting to see what he does when, you know, Billy Gilmore comes back in, Matthias Norman comes back in and we we play against teams. This is a key thing, I think. We play against teams who are going to play through the middle of the pitch because Mm. that game on Friday, I mean, the grass was growing in the middle of the pitch. No football was played. It was very much um, sort of pinball type, get it down into the wide areas, get the ball in the box from both teams and Norwich will better than what without it on the night, I think. And, you know, the litmus test for that will be against Crystal Palace where they will play a much more possession oriented game. They will play through the middle of the pitch. And I have to say, I'm not, I don't have complete faith that a, a midfield two of Kenny McLean and Pierre Lays-Malou can, can kind of stem that. So while I'm very enthusiastic about the system and, and as i have said, it's getting the most out of our attacking players it's really interesting to see how how we use it going forward. And I well, think Stu- Smith said after the game that he he's not tying himself to this
0: system. Stu, I well, was I, w- I was going to say that um, we w- are we are we getting a touch carried away. Obviously, it was a fantastic result, um, but large. You know, the first half we we weren't brilliant. We did we won that game with thirty one and a half percent possession, and not that saying that that's a bad thing. But I suppose the flip side of looking at that is, are we now picking up points in the Dean Smith? That we wouldn't have got under Daniel Farke. I we can now have games where we don't play brilliantly, we don't have that much of the ball, but we still manage to pick up a result. because so I feel like that's something that we didn't have under the previous. It's
2: got it's got to do with carrying a goal threat, Steve. But there's there's kind of two sides it, and this actually relates to the point that Ben just made. I think that with the exception of the the, the really top teams, your your Manchester City, your Liverpool's, where. Not saying that we're doing the, the Daniel Farker kind of waving the white flag act, but I think you're trying to avoid a proper shellacking in, in, in a game against those two teams as much as anything else. Uh, not that the goal difference is particularly recoverable at this point, I don't think anyway. But um, I, I think the, playing the system and playing this 4-2-4, it's not just about the goal threat that it offers, which is where the... I mean, I don't think, I think the possession stats are fairly irrelevant in the sense that I think it's more about what you can do in terms of creating chances and Norwich City are actually getting in territory-wise better areas and doing more with it when they get in those areas. They're not passing around a team's 18-yard box or getting in the box and then turning back. They're managing to turn teams and managing to run at players and cause a threat that way. But as well as that, I think the the other side of that and, and where people maybe look at it and they'll go like four attacking players going forward, yeah that carries a goal threat, does that leave us more exposed at the back? I'm not necessarily sure it does in, in the sense that I think it allows us to press high and I think the press is as organised as I have seen it in the Premier League with Norwich City, the press at times against Watford it did dip, I mean it, it does we're not a team that can maintain that for 90 minutes but there was times where it was really, really, really strong, I thought, and really organised. But as well as, as everything else that this system seems to offer, it allows the defenders to step up a wee bit. So there's less of that trying to block shots on the edge of the box type defending, and it's more trying to nip things in the bud further up the pitch. And you're also pressing higher up the pitch, which is forcing the opposition to make a decision. Do they want to go long or do they want to try and play through it? And I think that is the other aspect that this formation offers. So even if teams do want to play through the middle, what you're doing is by pressing them high and pressing them earlier, you're making them make a decision. Obviously, if they can then bypass that and get running, uh, as you mentioned, a uh, probably a weaker midfield too, Ben um, and Les Malone McLean. And and by the way, I, I think the big loser of this system is probably Billy Gilmore because I, mm. I don't think I think I think he's a luxury you can't afford in in the the four two four. Type formation, and actually, to throw it to you guys, my preferred everyone fit pairing at the moment would be the Scandinavian duo. It would be uh, Jakob Lundge Sorensen. And by the way, what a story for him a guy that's been plugged in in positions that wasn't his natural position anytime he's played for Norwich City, and then by virtue of this new system coming in. It's almost like that's offering him the perfect opportunity to play in his preferred central midfield role, and he's totally not disgraced himself anytime he's done it. And I think him and Matthias Norman would be my preferred pairing if you're sticking with a system. I'd be interested to know who you guys would play if everyone was fit.
1: Um, yeah, I was equally happy to see Sorensen um, get an opportunity and, and do do well. I thought he was playing he played um, well against Everton and was doing well against Watford until he he went off. But um, yeah, I would probably. Say, I'd still probably put Norman in ahead of him and have him next to PLM at, at this point. I think that'd okay. be my that'd be my two. But again, it's certainly not set in stone.
2: Well, what does young PLM offers just just out interest?
1: I think I think he offers a bit of box to box, which maybe Norman does as well. Um, yeah, like it, it depends on the opposition, doesn't it? Sorensen is certainly someone who's going to be the best shielder, um, but if we're playing. Palace at home where you as you say Stu, the press is gonna would be critical in a game that we want to have the momentum. But against an opposition that's going to play out from the back, then certainly having a, a bit more kind of energy higher up the pitch in the shape of Norman and Laser Maloo might be better. But then maybe against Man City. Sorens, if Sorens is fit, then that might be a better option. But um yeah, so we have we have got options, but I do agree on, on Gilmore because he's he's a midfielder who who is, has has been grown up in on possession football and is is tailor made for possession teams? We don't. This system isn't a possession based system, is it? So yeah, it's right. um, difficult
0: to see him in it. I think I think I'd go along with what Stu said. Actually, I think uh, we will need our combative midfielders in that too. And I think the ones you'd put in that category are Norman Sorensen and Lays Malou. Uh, it looks difficult for Gilmore and Rupp to, to get into that team, but then. You know, Dean Smith said after the game that he's not going to be playing the same system necessarily yeah. against Liverpool and Man City. It will have to be a, a lot tighter, and we, we can't necessarily have as many attacking bodies in that game. So um, I don't think it's it's over for for anyone else. And obviously, we need bodies back, as Michael made the point last week the the four four two only really came about through necessity because we only had two centre midfielders available and it just so happens that that's the system that, that's really worked for us. So um, I'm I'm still calling it four two four by the way. Like I'm <laughs> not going with this four four
2: two malarkey because right like the, the basis for this is the game football manager. It's an AMR and an EML. It's not exactly an it AMR <laughs> and an ML. Like yeah. it's it's definitely that. So I'm I'm definitely four two four. Not four, four. But like you say, it doesn't
0: leave us massively open. I think that's that's because Rashid and Sargent do such good work going back as well as forward. Um, so this is this is now the first time that we've been out of the relegation zone in the last 55 Premier League game weeks. So that you know it's that's been a cheesy, while. By the way, so isn't it? oh, it's absolutely mad to think. I mean, and you know, still feeling a bit giddy being where we are right now. But um, are, are we going to be there after game week 38? You know, what, where does this leave our chances of staying up? I, does it? Kind of keep them keep us back in the fight, or do we now uh, can we genuinely believe that this is going to happen for sort of the first time?
2: I'll let you well, you went that fast, Ben.
1: I'm going to serve up a, a classic football cliche and say there are many twists and turns yet to come, Steve. And I think, um, <laughs> yeah, look, we what we have is 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 some hope, right? And I'm certainly, you know, if, I, if, I, if you were to forced me into an answer I would probably and I hate saying this but I'd probably say we're still likely to more likely to go down and stay up um, given what's happening elsewhere obviously Burnley got a good result at Arsenal but I think they, they will go um, Newcastle look as we speak to be spending a ridiculous amount of money on, on some players and are obviously going to be making headlines in the transfer market right up until the end of the transfer window I imagine um, and they got a big win against Leeds So, yeah, we can, it's it's still too early, I think, to say, you know, whether you look at the the period of the season coming up and say, oh, you know, we're definitely going to stay up, we're definitely going to go down. But to be honest, I am happy right now to have, very, very happy to have obviously won two games in a row and to have seen two performances that I'm encouraged by. And I think we deserve to win both games. I think when, when Smith won his game against Southampton, I think that was a bit of a lucky win, to be honest but the performance and the result are very encouraging we've had um, Josh Sargent scoring his first Premier League goals we've had contributions from Adam Ida. we've seen our attacking players look threatening that is enough at the moment I think for Norwich City fans and we're going to go into I know we've got Wolves in the FA Cup but we're certainly going to go into um, the Palace home game on Wednesday night and then the Man City home game the following Saturday that's going to be a brilliant occasion or two brilliant occasions I think um, certainly the best we've seen at Cairo this season because at times it's been a place of kind of little hope and little expectation, whereas we're going to have both.
0: Mm.
2: Steve, three games are going to be absolutely pivotal, and I think you need seven points out of nine from Brentford, Burnley, Newcastle at home. Mm-hmm. I think you need seven points at least for those games to have any chance at all. And then you're hoping for what you can do in the road. Obviously, the Watford game gives us a bit of hope that we can go out to maybe a Southampton. Or um I mean there's so many teams that have been doing so well this season. Um Brighton looks a really difficult game. Aston Villa seem to be going quite well under Gerrard. Wolves under Lage have been good. A lot of the games that we've got are really difficult. We've still only got sixteen points, remember. Um, not to be negative and and sort of raining the parade. I still think it's a massive ask, but I think considering where Norwich City have been at times, not even just under Daniel Farker when it was, I mean, Chelsea and stuff, it was it was—it was abject, it was embarrassing, and we were almost vindicating all of the goons um, that were saying we don't belong in the division. But I think we've got to a point now where we, we're competing and we're, we're doing pretty well. I think we have found, I think we've got a managerial duo that are brave enough to make the decisions to give us a chance of at least trying to do stuff in games. They've found answers, maybe a bit too late. Maybe the managerial change of Farca was too late. I mean, there's, there's loads of stuff you might look back on later and say whatever, but we're competing. We're in games. We're now feeling like we have a chance of staying in the division. That's... That's a that, that to be honest as is defeatist as that might sound. That's a good place to be at considering where we've been at some spells this season. Still a massive ask, uh, but I think those three home games. I think you've got to get seven points out of nine: Brentford, Burnley, Newcastle. And then if you do, if you if you manage to get seven points out of those, there's a chance.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. Uh, but at the same time, I I think that while we do need to do that, we probably need to surprise a couple of teams as well at least. So let's hope we've got that in our locker. As well. Uh, we talked about Burnley, Newcastle and of course Watford have sacked Claudia Ranieri as well. So they'll be looking for a new manager and we we'll might have to uh, cope with that bounce as well. Anyway, thank you very much, gents. Um, I think that's enough chat on that for now. But you have 30 seconds of ranting to do coming up because we are going to move this on to pick that one out. Uh, so it might be slightly more difficult to pick one out this week, seeing as this uh, is usually the, the ranting segment of the podcast. But um, we'll open it up. Anyway, for 30 seconds on uh, whatever the guys choose. And um, Ben, I think you you volunteered valiantly to go first on this one. Oh, I've just remembered I've got to time this, haven't I? So um, I'm getting my phone out as we speak. Uh, this isn't even being done live, so I um, should have really had this ready. <laughs> okay. this, is, this is some Michael Bailey style padding. Um, and when you're ready, because I now am, off you go. Okay. Well, I'm not going to run. I'm, I want to talk
1: about moments and how important they are being a football fan. I think many, many of us Norwich City fans this season have sort of gone through almost an existential crisis, thinking deeply about, you know, the future of the club and what what we're here for and what Norwich City exists to do. But it kind of all washes away when you have moments like Brandon Williams stealing the ball off Seamus Coleman and playing Adam Eder through going up against Everton inside the first 20 minutes at Carrow Road. And obviously, as we said earlier, moments like Josh Sargent flicking the ball with the back of his um, boot to go one nil up against one of our relegation rivals. And the feeling you get in those the moments time. is what you exist for as a football fan. And you can talk as much as you like about promotion, relegation, and all of that stuff, and all the p- politics of football, the money and everything. But I think when you live in those moments, and you were, you were at do for the Everton game, sorry, I know I'm going over, but I want to finish this point because I think it's mm-hmm. a very important one. Mm-hmm. Um, you were at Cairo for the Everton game, the atmosphere when that second goal went in was incredible. Mm-hmm. And the feeling... I was with loads of other Norwich fans when when we during that Watford game, as I said earlier, and the feeling there and, and being in that moment. I mean, that that's what it's all about.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely on Actually, fair play. I think I think that needed more than thirty seconds to make that point. And one thing we didn't talk about actually in the main sec- section is none of us were at the game on Friday, but from by all accounts, it was an absolutely fantastic away day, and just a reminder of what of what football can be and should be like. It's been so so long. For, for our fans to have a have an away day like that. Um, so, yeah. And, and you, yeah. you wouldn't have experienced
1: that joy if we hadn't been through what we've been through this season. We, if we hadn't have seen the struggles Josh Sargent has had in the Premier League, that mm-hmm. moment wouldn't have been as special as it was for for fans and for him. So, yeah, it's it's a funny old game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I, I, I've, had, I've, I've had people say this season, like, why do you, why do you bother with, with Norwich City? Do you know what I mean? But that Encapsulates exactly why, and, and like you say, you've got to have the pain, haven't you, to yeah. to make those moments feel sweeter? Um, right, Stu. Uh, as Ben rightly says, this doesn't have to be a rant. This can be. This can be a, a place. This is gonna be a good place. So, uh, but I'll, I'm not necessarily teeing you up either way. But I am teeing you up for thirty seconds or more or less on something. Ready? I love. I
2: love the level of assertiveness <laughs> here. Thirty <laughs> seconds or more. Or less
0: on something, right? <laughs> it's all gone out the window. Anyway, uh, some allotted amount of time starts now. Brandon Williams. Right.
2: Matthias Norman, if he comes back at the level of form he was at earlier in the season, will probably win Player of the Year, undeservedly so. He's been a colossus and he's very likable and he's style and all the rest of it. Somebody goes in a mad run, getting loads of goals, they might win it. But Brandon Williams is someone who has... He plays football in a way that makes me appreciate things in the game that I thought had been lost from the game. So in the 1990s, you used to... Oh, well, that was never a good 30 seconds. I'm continuing anyway. In the 1990s, you used to be able to tackle in football, right? You used to be able to play really tenaciously and impose your will on the opponent via aggression. Brandon Williams still does that and doesn't he pick up loads of red and yellow cards? And his level of bleep how that he does in terms of winding up opponents and the game within the game, the psychological battle with the person that you are up against. The way that he wins that is absolutely brilliant. I wondered when he came how he was a Man United player. What made him a Man U player? Those are the qualities that make him a Man United player. He's brought that to Norwich City, and I think he's an absolutely vital player for us if we are going to
1: have any chance of staying up.
0: Mm-hmm. I um...
1: Sorry, I was going to say, Steve, I, I sit with um, Dan Brigham, friend of the pod, regular mm-hmm. panellist. And during the Everton game, he said, Brandon Williams is, was the kid at school who used to stick pencils up his nose. I thought that was a fantastic <laughs> assessment of Brandon Williams. <laughs> Just that unfiltered kind of aggression. And yeah, I'm I, I'm completely with you, Stu, I think, especially over the last few games, he's really endeared himself, as not he? And And let's not forget as well, he's a really good footballer um, on top of Ah, that. He is. He is.
2: But it's it's that ability to win the psychological battle. I I think we've got two. There was a a thing in Football Joe recently where they asked Ben Mee, I think it was, to use one word to describe every team in the league. For Norwich, he used nice. mm -hmm. Every club, there was one word you could use. And uh, Brandon
0: Williams is not very nice. No, and maybe we need a bit more of that. Um, we need to watch more yeah. of that. And, and but, of by the way, uh, I knew that that wasn't going to be thirty seconds because the first five of those seconds, you just went. Brandon Williams and I thought there's no way this is staying under 30 it was also delivered it's a shame it's a shame that we haven't got the cameras on because there was such intensity that that was delivered with um straight down the camera it was beautiful so I'm I'm very sorry Michael that all rules have gone out the window but you know you can you can come back and impose them again in a couple of weeks time um we haven't even talked about floodlight failure yet um it's kind of a footnote in everything else that happened I guess but um I was a bit worried that it would take our flow away and then bang, we just scored again straight after.
2: Well, it's the response, right? It's to do with the level of focus, the way that we, we maintained a level of intensity and made sure that we didn't allow it to be something that affected us and and, and made us drop off while the momentum was building. Uh, and I, I thought the, the response, I mean, to be honest, the, the amount of time it took was an absolute farce. But um, just like VARs are farce. I mean, they're, they're doing everything they can to ruin the game. But I think that the way that Norwich City dealt with that was just, again, evidence of dare I say it? And I'm actually, I need some wood somewhere. There's some wood, right? Touching wood so as not to jinx it. It seems like we've got collective mental strength somewhere as a team. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there seems to be a bit of that going on. And that's
0: something that was absolutely absent under Daniel Farker Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's that cannot be a coincidence that it's come under the, the new management. A um, couple of performances to well, you know, Angus Gunn didn't have a huge amount to do, but um, given that uh, some some pundits were wondering whether he'd even play in Tim Krull's absence, I'm not naming any names, but they might have been on this podcast. Um, I thought he did a great job, um, and a, a few kind of other any other business notices. Um, Liam Bramley never heard of him before this but he's a good he apple <laughs> 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 yes you beat me to it thank you very much that's that's what you get with ben man G- granny
2: smith brought him in. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh dear <laughs> fantastic i mean this it's not even written folks it's just it's just that's that's your improv right there um and then a couple of a couple of bits on uh some so let's call them x let's call them Norwich city legends uh tim closer training with bristol city It was um Nice to see. Um got, got any got any lines, one liners on that one? Um no. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh good for him. Good for him. Not a
1: joke, <laughs> just a just a just a just a general point.
0: <laughs> and O'Neill scoring for Birmingham City as well, which was uh also good for him, I guess. Hey, yeah. O'Neill remember I did my uh, what,
2: what was I called it? listen-along or something Twitter space during mm. a game oh, to, yes, against yeah, yep. Um can't remember how I branded it <laughs> really doing a good job here you can tell Covid knocked me for six as well but uh, um One Hernandez jumped on that cracking guy like him and delighted to see him I, I'm not, not not to be harsh I think the championships is level if I'm mm-hmm. honest and uh, I think a club like Birmingham City good platform for him if he's not going to get regular game time at Norwich City I'd love to see him get it elsewhere and that that I think that's a really good fit for him because it's a team that, that seems to play in a way that will allow where his pace will be a really effective asset for them. So good on on him.
0: Yep, very pleased for him. And uh, I think the let's get him back in the team ship has has well and truly sailed now. But um, yeah, there's got to be a championship club in there somewhere for him. Um, right. Well, I think we've pretty much covered uh, Watford then, and. Um, there is no centrefold this week, so we're going to move straight on to Motti. This
2: is almost fantasy football.
0: So no podcast plan for next week, uh, as there is no Norwich City game next week. Instead, we'll jump ahead to a fortnight's time and the FA Cup tie at Molyneux against Wolves. Um, it doesn't feel like the priority, but um, so I suppose my first question is, does it matter really? But also uh, sort of a, a, a sub close to that is do we need to to kind of keep it go keep the momentum going with, with something in this one Stu, I'll put that one to you first.
2: I don't think it's a tragedy if we lose the game. Like I think it's I think if you're if you're saying you'll lose one and win one, <laughs> definitely pick the Palace game. But what I would say is if we do go down this season and we've pointed out how difficult it could be, if we could have a memorable run in the FA Cup. I think that would lay down a real marker ahead the next season, and we we can all remember the, the the special night that we had at Spurs, albeit that the whole world kind of went crazy after that and football shut down and all the rest of it. But that's I mean you were talking about earlier on, lads, about great memories. My my best memory, which wasn't as as a commentating for the club, but going as a fan, as a Norwich City fan. Was that night at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? So, um, that, I, I think if we could, if we could have something similar, where we get like a really good result or two in the FA Cup, obviously winning it would be would be pretty incredible given how top-ended English football is now. But if we could have a run and and maybe get a few memorable results, I think it would definitely soften the blow of relegation if if that is what comes. But then obviously you'll get the people that argue that we could get players injured and that'll affect Premier League and all that. But football's about moments, as you said earlier on, Ben, and the FA Cup's a perfect opportunity to get
0: some of those. Mm, Could have picked a better opponent, I guess. Although I sort of feel that with Wolves winning games now, they've actually got They've got Europe in their sights, so maybe they won't prioritize the FA Cup more. Am I like clutching at straws there, Ben?
1: Maybe. Goodness me, they are a good side, They are mm-hmm. very good. They are very well coached, and I think they will, you know, push as you say, Steve, for, for European places this season. I think, um, yeah, obviously they will switch it around. As I'm sure, as I'm sure, Dean Smith will. So it's it's a hard game to talk about, isn't it, really? But I think what's interesting is whether we played the same system. So we, are we going to go there and and maybe? try something a bit different just to get another system into the players' legs again. I'm sure, um, you know, we've got a few players on the fringes who will want to come in and, and hopefully prove a point. So um, that's often what these games are about. But yeah, it's a tough assignment, isn't it? Wolves away.
2: Can, can I bring up an elephant in the room? Please do. Toddy boy. How, how are we feeling about Todd Cantwell? And I'm sorry if this has been done on the, but just because it's the two of you, I'm really interested to know your opinion because it's been a wee while since we've talked. Um, My my, my personal opinion, just quickly, is I, I think Todd Cantwell's chances of a, a, a top-level career seem to be, be hanging by a thread, a Gossamer thread at the moment. And I think that this next period of months is going to dictate how his career eventually pans out as a footballer. Uh, that, that that's how I personally feel about it. I wish him all the best. He's an academy product. He's had some fantastic moments, and I know he's shirt. I'd love to see him turn it round, but uh, I mean, if he's not making the matchday squad at the moment, and um, young roe is is getting on the bench, I, th- I think that that seems to speak volumes for me. So, how are you guys feeling about Tori?
0: Um, I, my, my, I've said this on the podcast already but I, I do feel like he's not suited to this system, to this management team um, because there is more of an uh, an ask to press um, and maybe the Todd Campbell of a season ago or two seasons ago would have been able to do that. To me he doesn't quite look right. I'm not sure, 100% sure that he is 100% fit um, and I think that's really shown. I mean we have lost every single game that he's played in this season, I think, other than the Southampton game where we were 1 0 down and he was hauled off at half time. And uh, we won the game 2 1 after he was taken off and Sargent came on. So I don't think there's any justification for having him in the team at the moment. And Rashitra is going to offer much more of a threat in those wide areas that we've already talked about tactically. So um, he's clearly a, great, a really talented player. There's clearly, I still think, going to be a career for him somewhere. But I also think that he was he was one of those players who was being managed by under the perfect manager under Farker. I I just think you know obviously there were rumours that he fell out with the manager after, uh, sorry towards towards the end of Farker's reign. Um, But I do think that was a a coach who absolutely knew how to get the best out of Campbell's talents. Um, And my my worry for Todd, although as I say, very talented player, is that he won't find another manager like that again. Um, so yeah, uh, I hope, I hope that he can fire again with us, but I'm not convinced it'll happen. What do you think, Ben? I, I agree. I mean, before, when he's played
1: this season, he's, he's not been at the level that's required and that's why two managers haven't played him. Um, I would kind of say, I think if, if we, if Dean Smith's here long enough and, and is, is able to develop a style of football, which um, could more maybe more suit Todd Cantwell, and I think there could be a role for him. This is after all, I mean, you know, Smith helped Jack Greenish become the most expensive player in you know English football history, similar point. kind of player. Um, but yeah, this season n- not not been there, and I think um, it's hard to see him getting into the team anytime soon. Um, but what I would say about Todd Cantwell is that he has proven people wrong before. He's come back. Mm-hmm. He's, he's always been heavily criticised, I think, and he yep. And he has come back and proven people wrong in the past, so I wouldn't put it past him to sort of come out of the situation he's he's in at the moment. But um, yeah, in, in the short term, it's not it's not looking good for him. Do,
2: no. do, do you do you think the window's closing for him though, lads? Because my, my my feeling is that this next period of months is is going to be absolutely, I, I, as I say, I think I think it's going to basically have have a massive bearing in, in
1: where his career ends up pitching. Yeah. He's well, twenty-three, you know, he's not he's not a nineteen, twenty year old kid anymore. He's twenty-three years old. He needs to be he needs to be playing football, he needs to be performing. And I think um you're right, Stu, the, the you know, the, the walls are closing in on him. But there is still enough time, I think, for him to to forge a decent career for himself. Whether that is at Norwich City, you know, in the Premier League as a top level championship club, I honestly couldn't say right now. But um yeah.
0: And I, I think there's an element of pragmatism that we need at the moment that, that, as you spoke about with, Gil, with Billy Gilmore, Stu, uh, that Campwell doesn't mm. really provide. And were we to go down next season then, uh, and he were to still be here, then I think that there would, you know, that level of creativity that he could give us in the championship would be something that we'd be really crying out for. So I I personally still hope he stays. Um, talking about windows closing for Todd campwell, uh, another window closes in a week's time. Um, do we see... Any ink Lovely segue. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I've got to move this on. Uh, do we see any uh, incomings? I mean, I think Dean Smith has basically said there won't be, so I don't really know why I'm asking the two of you. But um, no. is it, 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 I suppose what I, I've been saying for weeks and weeks, we don't need a striker, we don't need a striker. And now we're playing with two strikers, and I worry if one of them gets injured, what we then do. But I suppose it might be a moot point anyway, because... Uh, we're not bringing one in. So um, do, is there anything that we need or should we just give up on the whole notion, Ben, and um, uh, just say, well, the squad that we've got is the squad?
1: I think, yeah, I think we should treat it like how we treated, like scoring a goal. We just, you know, we, no one expected us to score a goal. <laughs> so <laughs> when it happened, it was like, oh, this is absolutely fantastic. So if we do sign a player, it'll be... An absolute world day. Are we going to bring in, <laughs> in Neymar?
0: <laughs> um, well, I don't think I'd, I don't think I want it to be honest.
2: Um, no, nah,
0: neither do they. I. Just everything that's wrong with modern football, in my opinion. And and there's a lot wrong, but uh, we we won't go into that t- tonight, will we, wish you. um So, so you quick, want Rashid Saleh Neymar Rashid every day? Yeah, it? it's no competition, is it? Uh, quick one, then. Will we still be in the FA Cup uh, in a fortnight's time? Yes or no? No. Yes. Okay. <laughs> she said no. Is that
1: purely to end on a positive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Wait, I'm not saying we're going to be into the fifth round, Steve. So I'm saying we're going to... Oh, no, it's, 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 there's no replays, are there? no,
0: But it no, could no, be postponed. A lot of games are these days, so maybe flag, we Floodlight like failure as well? Yeah, like flag flag. Like failure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Oh, no, uh, wasn't there, wasn't uh, there, wasn't there
1: a fire at I'm sure there's a fire at Molineux this week. a small fire at the stadium, uh, so maybe... What's going yes. on? Dro- drones at Brentford, fires at
2: Molyneux, knee lights at Watford. I mean, yeah. get, get your the, act together, troops.
0: It's the oncoming apocalypse. I did think there was something kind of a gone wrong in the cosmos. That that was my feeling when Sergeant scored that scorpion kick. Something has gone so wrong in the cosmos that the lights just went out like five minutes after that happened. It was just too much to too much to uh, even comprehend. Yeah. Um, I think that'll probably do, right, for today's On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that's living the American dream. Uh, So please make sure that you subscribe to On The Ball via your podcast player choice. Uh, Pod is available for free for everyone on your usual player. And we are now streaming the recording of the podcast live in video form on Michael's social media channels, just not this week. Uh, Just search Michael Bailey, the athletic Norwich City. You've probably already got it in your searches. So just, just, you know, you probably just type Michael and it will come up. Um, do that on your preferred social platform. Hopefully, it will show up there. Ratings and reviews, wherever prompted, always hugely appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, just chuck Michael a direct message on Twitter at Michael J Bailey. You can ask me too, but oh, as I always, say Michael's your man for that. Um, so, a massive thank you to our guests tonight, Ben. Thank you, Steve, and Stu. Thank you very much. Good to be back. <laughs> Thank you for that musical interlude. Um, No podcast next week, but uh, Michael is back in the chair in two weeks' time after the Wolves game. Uh, We will see you then. (laughs) Right then, uh, that's that. <laughs> it's Wits End. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Uh-
1: doodling, doodling, doodling. I'm going and to if- continue the guitar
0: interlude. <laughs> <laughs> what, the- what was the guitar interlude before the end,
2: Steve? That was it. You know, the it's good to be back. Oh, is that not? Is
0: that not the boy? back in town? Ah, yeah, exactly. But that's so. fine. I mean, the oh, boys are back The boys are, town, are back in town.
2: Right, so there you go.
0: Exactly. Um, bit of thin Lizzy for you. Uh, yeah, so if you don't know what Witsend is by now, then um, quite honestly, where, where have you been for the last 18 months? Where like I get music wrong. Where Stu gets music wrong and where you can be an honorary Twitaker if you listen and take part. And how can you take part? Well, just send us your suggestions for topics to discuss. Either you can email Twitikers at iCloud.com or you can use the hashtag Twitakers, T-W-I, Double T-E-R-K-E-R-S on Twitter. Just don't explain what it's all about. It's one big secret. Um, a couple of examples of people that did that. The twitterers account on Twitter said uh, that Josh Sargent uh, said after Adam Eder's, sorry, Josh Sargent said after Adam Eder's performance versus Everton, hold my light beer. So there's a nice uh, American beer little gag for you. Weather. <laughs> <And, We're there! laughs> thank you for that I hope you weren't having headphones for for that bit Um, and Ah,
2: audio (laughs) edited.
0: yeah we know who our audio editor is for this week Um, and James Hotchkiss thank you for posting the uh, finger of fudge advert from the 1980s for the Cadbury's fudge bar which I believe was a reference to something Michael mentioned last week Um, but apologies you really (laughs) got the question we're
1: we're slipping into double entendre area (laughs) massively there
0: (laughs) Let's just move on, I think. Can I, can I bring up something,
1: Steve? We yes, were please. talking earlier about... Um, <laughs> yes, please. Uh, we were talking earlier about how Ben Mee described Norwich as nice. And mm. I think we all agreed that Brandon Williams is probably the least nice player in Norwich's squad. Who, who would you say is the nicest? I'm thinking maybe like Lucas Rupp. Yeah. of Pookie. Oh, yeah, Pookie. I don't know. Thought something quite kind of... Um, I do know, I see, see a bit of darkness. Yeah, sort
2: of that finish. A bit of coldness. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Doctor. my old do you, do you know something, right? See Finns. I've met a few Finns, and they've all got, like, a really dry sense of humour. Yeah. Mm. So I wonder if, like, Tim Mopoke has the same dry sense of humour. Like they're, they're all basically... V, like v, if Kimi Räikkönen's at one end of the spectrum, and then, like, standard Finnish sense of humour's at the other, and they kind of yeah. go... Along hasn't that
0: scale. Hasn't Finland got really like low suicide rates or or might be the other way around. I mean I don't want to bring the bring the tone Doesn't down. Doesn't mean they're short. nice Steve. Doesn't mean they're nice. <laughs> no, but it, it means they're are. contented, right? It means they're, yeah, they are, you know, they're right. happy within themselves. So and I, does that go a long way to being nice? I don't know. I don't know. Um <laughs> I mean Sergeant must be in that conversation as well. He just seems so yeah. chuffed in not when when he, the fans are He's were... lovely. He's we smile. He's yeah. just lovely, and uh, I, I, I think he's, I think he's really cute.
1: Like, he, he looks a, you a know, lovely, shining you know, like... personality. Oli and Sasha used to
0: be called the baby-faced assassin, didn't
1: he? he looks a bit. It's like Sasha's let his hair go and
0: dyed him. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got a long like way his... to go before he could be described as an, an assassin. I did like, <laughs> I did like the, how nonplussed he was at um, Jamie. Car- I don't know if you saw this. Jamie Carragher's like. Dad joke when he uh, oh, yeah, started yeah, talking yeah. about the wife <laughs> and sergeant. One was... person who found that the funniest was Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well worth searching out
1: that clip. But the battle. But... Um, so right, if he's not an assassin, what's his
2: job? Because like, I think we we'll agree that he's baby-faced. So like, if Josh Sargent is, is he a green grocer? If he's no a footballer, <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, um, I thought it had to be something like it. you had to keep it sort of in the weaponry theme,
0: but um. um <laughs> Yeah, maybe he could be like a like a weapons inspector, like Hans Blix or something like that. You know? <laughs> Just works for Halibut in, in America.
1: Oh, a gun a gun runner. No, I'm not no, I can't say that. Cuts. <laughs> saying he's a saying he's a gun runner. But um other nice players. I think like Ben Gibson, he seems really nice, doesn't he? Yeah, he um, seems like a top like it's like a nice northern man. Um yeah. Tim
2: Crew has done some really cool charity stuff. I know that um from sort of just kind of paying a bit of attention, and I, I get the impression he's a real tone setter in mm. terms of that kind of side of things. I was once told that the nicest footballer, that, that Stuart Webber, said to me the nicest
0: footballer he'd ever met was Jordan Rhodes. Yeah, I, he seems like he seems like one of those who just. Wouldn't say boo to a goose as well. Just like a like a just a nice chap. Um, I used to work with Jordan Rhodes' brother, and he was incredibly nice as well. So
1: I'm imagining Jordan Rhodes is very nice. Um, so the roads, the roads are really good
0: people. That, that's yeah. fine. Do you think the the nice reputation? Because I've always had this theory that we only really appoint nice managers, with the exception of maybe Lambert. But
1: uh, like <laughs> Alex nice. nice? Lealstee. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but he was tough, but okay, maybe nice isn't the, isn't necessarily the right description there. No, he was but, just in case but, he was listening, he is listening. He is a very nice man. But I, and I think, you know, he seemed like a principal guy as well. So yeah, maybe yeah. that's what I'm getting at. So do you think that that comes from the 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 board appointing the manager who then signed well obviously now it's Weber, but who then signed the players? And I know Weber does talk about it. Do you think there is something in that and um, that we're nice because it comes from the top down? Maybe uh,
1: Dean uh, Dean Smith uh, is a is a, you know illustration of that, isn't he? Uh, yeah. More than anyone like like Mister Nice Guy. Maybe there is, but maybe that doesn't kind of do us any favors either. When when you've got you know people like Ben Me going going and saying that we're nice, you know, is, is that I'm not I don't think Ben Me has thought too much about that. So maybe his initial perception of Norwich is that we are nice.
2: Mm. No, I, I mean I think I think the the type of content that it was 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 kind of. He was been asked to choose one adjective, and what he, I mean, what he did say is it was a nice club, mm-hmm. and I think we are a nice club. I think we're a cracking club, like in in that okay. kind of. Respect. So it's a positive
1: connotation. It wasn't like well,
2: oh, it was, but still, like I mean, regardless mm-hmm. of that, I mean, if yeah. there was one word you would not want an opponent professional to describe your football club as, it's nice, like tough, rugged, like competitive like I- anything else other than nice but what I would say is I don't necessarily think that it's a negative thing that we have nice people at the football club uh, but they need to turn I mean I said Brandon Williams was nasty earlier he's nasty on the field he might be nice <laughs> as ninepence uh, off the field but I think on the field we have to have a bit more of that bleep house that I mentioned and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Williams is, is very much got a bit of that and I think rather than playing fairly and sportingly, the game's kind of gone past that. So we mm-hmm. we want a few more nasty people. But I, I, think, I like that
0: we've got nice people in the club. I think Norman's got a bit of that in him as well. And it's interesting that it's two players who are on loan. So it's almost like we've gone, we'll give them a try. But yeah, I don't know whether we actually want to really keep them. Um, but I did think actually thinking about it, that Burnley game, we did have a bit of... Grit about us in that away game. No, I, don't know, I, I don't think me played in that, so maybe had he played in that game, he would have uh, <laughs> viewed us a bit differently. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thinking about where Grant Hamley
1: fits into this because he is obviously a no nonsense Scottish defender, but he's he's, he's he's
0: bordering onto like gentle giant kind of. Um, I don't think he's even in that. Like he's not even on that scale. He's off. He's off no. here somewhere. I just don't. I feel like he's. It's just Hanley. There's no, I'm not saying
2: he hasn't got a personality. He's an area in Stoke. Do do, do you know what, like Grant Hanley is, uh, I think he's got to the point now where he's, he's, you know know, all the things that people used to say about him, but they had the kind of doubts about the Premier League. I think Hanley's got to the stage now that as long as he can even half walk, he's pretty much, he's the undroppable defender now. I I I think he's got to play in every game because I think his leadership's absolutely vital.
0: Well, I, I love him. I I think the I think the back four are the back four now. Uh I don't think that changes. Can I can I throw a quick quiz question at you? Because I did have it ready for the main oh, one. Good. I, I uh-huh. thought sorry, uh, this relates to a time when you were at the club as well, Ben. So I have a level oh, extra no. expectation. I've got to get it right haven't I? So this is the oh. first first time that our goalkeeper and uh, defence, all of them, had a uh, uh, were all British since uh August 2014, Portman Road away. So who were the five defenders, well, one goalkeeper and four defenders that we played that day? August 2014, Neil Adams. We won 1-0. Graben scored the winner. So who were the, who were the five? Are we, are we combining ben, here, Ben? Yep. You can combine, yeah. And that is correct. Russell Martin. Is also correct. Stephen Whitaker. Is also correct. Ryan yeah. Bennett. <laughs> yeah, that's, so you've got four out of five. Oh right, we need to get Michael the first Turner. One. Michael Turner is right. Save so yes, fired. Benny boy,
2: <laughs> fantastic.
0: That's why they call us the Dream Duo. Oh, <laughs> nobody calls us that. Well, they um, will now. Um, and you know, English and Scottish combined as well. So uh, w- within that back five,
2: actually, to be fair, you get the English guys and I get the
0: Scots. Like, that, that worked quite well. Yes, and and Whitaker was in there as well. So um, you know. Um, that feels like a nice way to... end. Up. I feel like we could go on for a lot longer, so... Are we um, ending wit's end with wit? Wit?
1: With wit? What? <laughs> what? Wit's end has ended with wits.
2: Uh, well, it was like, always going to maybe, be with maybe. you for the three years on it. <laughs>
0: uh, well, on that on that bombshell, then... Uh, let's, let's finish Sorry, it. I Sorry. feel like
2: I crossed something really funny Ben was going to say. I'm disappointed.
1: No, mate, I'm just... I was going to say we should try and end wit's end by bringing the subject matter around to Stephen
0: Whittaker every time. That would be... New challenge. New challenge. Are you listening, Michael? Are you listening? Um, Are you you listening to he's Michael's giving up by now. Uh, (laughs) And and even if he was listening, it's not going to (laughs) happen. But I like the concept, and I'll see if I can bring it in next time I'm on. Uh, Right, gents. uh, Thank you very, very much. Normally we end it by saying goodbye, but as we're doing it differently, I will just say goodbye to you again. Ben, thank you so much. Cheers, Steve,
1: and well done for ploughing through that, despite being, as I said earlier, riddled with coronavirus. (laughs) So, yeah, well done. Yeah,
0: my house is uh, an absolute cesspit right now. You would not want to be here. Stu, I don't know why I just came to you having said that. Um, uh, (laughs) I'm
2: I'm lying prostrate on a bed, so, uh, I mean, I'm hardly... Showing off the elegance uh, of my surroundings.
0: Paint me like one of your French girls' pose right now. but (laughs) This is
2: why we're not doing video
0: tonight. Mm. Uh,
2: Thank you very much. I'm a seductress.
0: Um, You're welcome. Um, (laughs) Thanks, everyone. And uh, we'll see you next week.